this series called The Greatest Sermon of All Time because we're walking through the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. If you've been with us, we've walked all the way through Matthew chapter five and we're almost done with chapter seven and then we'll be moving on to the next sermon series. But it's been really cool to see all that God's been teaching us through his word. And today uh, is no less challenging as we walk through verses 13 and 14 from Matthew chapter seven. So I'd love for you to Go ahead and get there as we begin. Uh, it'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, please let me or someone else know. We would love to help you with that. I'd love to get you one. Uh, there's, there's, no, there's no better thing to read than God's breath on a page. And that's what the Bible is. And so we want to make sure that you have that. It's our, uh, the word calls itself a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so we come to it today for truth. We come to it today for life, joy, peace, everything that we need, and it's faithful to give it. Before we jump into the text today, I wanna remind us of a very important verse from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 26, eight. And my prayer is that this would be our answer today. So I want to give it to you at the top before I give you the message so that you know what the goal is for the message today. Isaiah 26, 8 in the NIV says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. My prayer is that that would be our answer to the invitation that's on the table today and that our lives would be marked by this yes. Because the truth is is meant to be taken into life and lived. Like we, we, it's not enough to just be inspired by what we hear. We have to take it into our lives and live it. We're already, the truth is, we're already educated far beyond our willingness to obey. And that's a tragic reality. And so as we come to this very clear and plain text today, I just want to set it up with that verse and I want to set it up with this thought that the truth is meant to be applied. It's meant to be lived out. So my hope today is not just to get excited about something and be inspired and then forget about it later. My hope is that we would become doers of the word. So would you pray with me as we ask God to help us with that? Father, God in heaven, would you help our hearts and our minds to stay focused on you today? Would you give us peace in, in, our, in, in our circumstances right now? Maybe, maybe there's people in here that are going through circumstances that are so disorienting and so confusing and and distracting. I pray for the next 30 minutes that they would be able to just focus their attention on you that you would calm their heart, calm their mind. Father, whoever it is right now that you're laying on my heart, calm their mind right now and help us to focus on your word and help us to say yes to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, Amen. amen. Matthew chapter seven, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Then those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Jesus gives us a clear direction, a clear command, a clear call to action. Enter 
by the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate and go into the right way. He, he gives us this way that leads to life. How do we know that it's the right way that leads to life? How do we know that we're making the right decision? How do we know that we're on the right path? These are familiar questions. And Jesus lays it out here simply and effectively. He says, how do you know that it's the way that leads to life? It's narrow, number one. It's gonna be narrow, the gate. And the road is gonna be hard, he says. It's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be constricting and confining and, and pressing. More on that later. But we know that it's the right way, the way that leads to life, if it's narrow, if it's hard, and if few are there, he said. There are few that find it. So you look around on this road and you see a few, it's a good indication that you're on the right path. But in a world that adores choices, multiple choices. I used to love multiple choice tests because I got a better chance, you know. When it was fill in the blank, we're in trouble. But if I've got four choices, that's 25%. And maybe one of them is all of the above, which sometimes is harder, but sometimes it just gives you three, you know. So now you've got a 33.33% chance of getting it right, you know. Multiple choice, that's what we love. Like, you're... Uh, multiple options. Like I, 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 wanna, I want to consider my options. I want to know that I have options. Like, like this, the world teaches us like your truth is truth. You know, you're, like you choose your path. You choose your truth. You choose what's right. You, you choose what, like don't let anybody else tell you what's right, what's wrong, what's true. You do, it's you, it's, it's up to you. Like you follow your heart. YOLO, you know, you, they wouldn't say that anymore? Okay. <laughs> Here at the wide gate, the broad gate, all are welcome. All that is welcome. All truths, little t, I guess, whatever, are welcome here at the broad gate. Everything goes. There are no certainties. <laughs> you can be whoever you want to be at the broad gate. You can be whatever type of person. You can, you can even change your sexuality at the broad gate. Your identification, your gender identification at the broad gate. You, you, can, you can be whoever you want to be here. There is no absolute. There are no certainties. It, it, don't let anybody tell you. And at the broad gate, they, they won't. And this is what the world is bombarding us with, right? We, we've even dismantled our picture of Jesus a thousand different ways until he looks like what we want him to look like. And then by the end of that dismantling process where we just tear down who he is and what he's supposed to be doing and we make him fit inside the box that we would rather him fit in, by the time we're done with him, we've created our own God and that God is actually us. This is a predominant problem. And Jesus will have none of it. God will have none of it. He makes it very clear here that there are only two choices. 
We don't like two choices. We, we like options. We don't, we don't like it to just to be this exclusive and this final. But Jesus says, this is how it is. Our flesh would rather be uncommitted until we know. You know, it's like, keep my options open until I know. We, we Like, hold out as long as I can before making a decision. But there's only two ways, and they're clear. And the question today is, which one will you choose? I want to remind you that as we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is calling us to, to Jesus is not calling us to an improved life. He's not calling us to behavior modification or, or getting a little bit better in certain ways or you do this and this will help you in your life. That's not what Jesus has been calling us to here in the Sermon on the Mount. He's calling you to die to yourself so that you might live for eternity. And now we get to the end, the conclusion of this text, and he's calling us to action. He, he's calling us to commitment. He, because conviction without commitment is a deadly place to be. Inspiration without action. Conviction, oh, I'm convicted today by that word the preacher was bringing today. I'm just bringing it. Yeah, whoo, let's go to Wild Wing and forget about it. Conviction without commitment is a deadly place place to be. And Jesus is Lord. And when we realize that and we realize what he's teaching us here and we understand that this is an identification, that he's laying out the characteristics, he has been laying out the characteristics of kingdom citizens and there's no way around it. There's not a lot of, yeah, I can kind of do it this way, I can kind of do it that way. He's not even talking about behavior, he's talking about our identity and he's saying if you are a kingdom citizen, if your heart is new, then live this way, walk through this gate and choose this way. Because he is Lord and he demands control. I must say that again because we don't like to hear that. Jesus is Lord and he demands control. That's what that means. Like next time you're excited about a song that talks about his lordship, consider the ways that you're actually still holding on to the position as Lord of your own life instead of submitting to his lordship, which means he is in control. He is the ultimate authority. He is presiding over all of these decisions. I think that's our ultimate problem with the narrow gate and the narrow road. Like, like we, we don't want to relinquish control. But on the narrow way, the hard way, we have to relinquish control because he is Lord there. The broad way is easier. The wide gate and, and, and the way that's easy, it's easier. It, it leads to destruction, but it's easier. And those who are find, it, find, find that way are many. And we'd rather kind of hang out with everybody because that's easier and, and they're there. Wide gate, easy way, Jesus describes it. The way of the ungodly is broad and it's smooth and it's easy. It's agreeable with the flesh. This is the broad way. This is the wide way, the easy way. It feels so natural. Just follow your heart. 
You've got that urge, you've got that desire, and it, it's obviously not leading you to life, but it's where your heart is, so just follow that. The wide gate, the easy way, it welcomes a long list of vices, and they all feel so right. Oh, and you have company on the Broadway, too. You have a lot of company with much laughter and a lot of fun. But its end is destruction. The devil is so sneaky, making the wide gate so deceiving. There's three things about the wide gate that are deceiving. Number one, it's easy to get through. It's real easy to get through. You're not going to have any opposition at that gate. You're not going to have any problem getting through. In fact, you're, you're going to find a great deal of support going through that wide gate. There may be some peer pressure to get you there even. There's a little added motivation to go through the wide gate. And once you get there, it ain't going to be a problem. You're just going to be able to waltz right on in and everybody's going to have their arms around you when you go. And it'll feel natural to your flesh. It's easy. Number two, the sign on the top of the broad gate says heavenly. This is where it gets real dangerous. Because that sign up there, when you come to that wide gate, it reads heavenly. You're going to want to try this. You're going to want to try. It's heaven. You've never felt anything like this. You've never, I promise you, you've never felt anything like this. Come on in. Come on in and taste and see. This is great. This is heaven. The third deceiving thing about the wide gate is everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Come on. Everybody's doing it. And it will always disappoint. These are all very well thought out strategies of the enemy. The devil is a marketing genius, selling what our possessions want under the disguise of freedom, selling what our passions want, selling, he's selling what our desires want under this disguise of freedom. You'll have freedom here. You'll get to do what you want here. You'll get to do exactly how you're created to be here. That's not really who you are. This is who you are. Trust me. You get to do it freely. Freedom. And I think most of us have tasted what it's like to go from one round of pleasure to another. Just, just work, even working our job as a means to just get more money to spend on more pleasure. Like just one round of pleasure to another round of pleasure. Just going from, from one to another. I just, I got to get to the next weekend. And while I'm still all over your toes, I want to read Romans chapter 6 verse 21. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. We can keep that up for a little bit. This is very similar to what Jesus is saying. There's a way that's wide and easy and leads to destruction, death. 
What fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? What was there in that? What did you gain? It was promising all of this. When it maybe it lasted for a few moments, but, but what, what was the satisfaction after that? Where was the fulfillment after that? What did you really gain? How empty were you? When you were on this wide road. There's a story of a mafia man who lived a life full of crime with no relationship with God. And, and he, he died uh, a tragic death. He, got, he was shot. And he wasn't too old. He's in his 40s, actually. But he had already done a lot of things with his life and committed a lot of crimes and earned a lot of wealth. Earned is probably operative. But anyway, and his brother was doing his funeral and his brother asked the pastor to preach his funeral and he went to the pastor and he said I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars if you I'll, I'll, I'll give your church sorry a hundred thousand dollars if you say at the funeral that my brother is in heaven and he was righteous hundred thousand dollars I know your church needs it and the pastor said well sir everybody knows what kind of life your brother lived they're, they're gonna know that He's like, that's okay. Don't worry about all that. I just need you to say it. So I'll, I'll give you, do you hear me? $100,000 to your church if you say that he was righteous. Well, the pastor knew he needed some money. So and the church was struggling financially. So this was kind of a tough decision. And so the pastor walked up to the podium where he's delivering the message at the mafia man's funeral. And he said, his life was far from perfect. He didn't always do the right things. But compared to his brother here, he was a righteous man. <laughs> As the old spiritual says, everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. I want to spend the rest of our time unpacking this. The way is hard, Jesus said. That word hard is better defined as constricting or pressing or confining. It's difficult because it's confining. It's constricting. It's, it's pressing. And the gate to that way is narrow. So when you, if you could picture this, it's like walking down a thoroughfare and there's this massive gate over here where everybody's walking. And then on the side, you can barely see it. Just room enough for one person to walk through at a time. That narrow gate, the way that leads to life. And few find that way. Few find that way, Jesus said. It's a narrow gate, so narrow that you can't take a bunch of stuff with you when you go. And there's nowhere to check your bag with all of your things and then ship it to you once you get to where you're going either. That's not how it works. You get in the narrow way and you walk without all of this stuff. So you have to leave some things behind. Isn't that the heart of Jesus' teaching in Luke chapter 14? This is a difficult text now, verse 25, great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, 
Like, like just for a second. Great crowds, multitudes were there. And this is what he said to them. This is what Jesus chose to say to the great crowd. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Get yourself in the moment. Multitude, a lot of people, and Jesus is bringing out his best evangelistic message for that moment. And this is what it is. Hate your mom and your dad and your kids and your brothers and sisters. You just imagine what the evangelistic message of the modern day church would have been when there's thousands of people around listening. Probably a little different than that. But these are the words that Jesus chose. Does he literally mean hate your mom? No, he's making the point that we can't bring everything with us through that narrow gate. That we have to leave it behind. When he called his disciples and he said, follow me, leave your nets there. You're a fisherman, this is how you make your wealth, this is how you do your deal, leave it and come. Oh, well, Jesus, what am I gonna do when I get there? I gotta make money, I gotta do the, just come with me. Come with me, follow me. And Jesus, he, he means to make us uncomfortable here. He, that's just, he does. He, he wants to jar us out of this, this worldly brainwashed stupor where we are content with fleeting comfort and half satisfactions. He's got to shake that up a little bit because we're real content with these somewhat satisfactions that we're engaging in. We have to be willing to leave things behind when we go through this narrow gate. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, there's an easy path and a hard path. And what I've described to you in this sermon is the hard path. And it leads to life. So will you take it? Will you choose to enter the narrow gate? There's only one way to the Father. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. Do you want to find a more offensive text to other religions in the world? You're not going to be able to find much more offensive than there is one way. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. It's, it is exclusive. It's offensive. It is, it's when people say that you're narrow minded because you're a Christian, you say, I know. Like, that's the nature of truth. Like, I don't exactly like it that I'm narrow minded. I don't exactly like it that I can't just be all things to all people in all ways and I can't follow my heart like I want to. But the truth is the truth. And the nature of the truth is it's absolute and it's exclusive. So, yeah, I am. further explanation for a moment. Jesus went to the sinners. He went to the people that were making a mess of their lives. 
He didn't stand on the hill and say, get out of here. You're not worthy. You're not on the hard road. You're not on, you're not through the narrow gate. You're never going to be there. Get out of here. That's not what he did. And that's not what we're called to do. So in our narrow mindedness, I feel like I have to define this just briefly. I hope you understand what I'm saying. In our narrow mindedness, that doesn't mean that we're not willing to engage and love those around us that aren't on the way that we're on. Absolutely not. It doesn't mean that we're unwilling to engage and love people that aren't like us as Christians. It's absolutely, we're in the world, not of the world. And we know truth and we present truth and we love people where they are. That's why we can say that everyone is welcome here because no one is perfect, because there is grace. And that grace was displayed in a beautiful way when Jesus would stoop down with sinners. And when the woman caught in adultery was about to get stoned, Jesus himself, the only one who could actually cast a stone because he was the only one there without sin, said, I forgive you. I didn't have time for that, but I think we need, I thought we needed to explain it a little further because I was getting real excitable, you know. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. And then later in that same chapter, verse 12 of John 14, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. This is really important. Now we're starting to talk about the life that we're living and the path that we're walking. Do the, those who believe in me will also do the works that I do. He didn't merely come to save us from our sins and, and leave us there until it's time to go home. He came to make us righteous. We've seen the standard here in the Sermon on the Mount. He laid it out through the Beatitudes and through the Antitheses. And, and as we've been walking through the whole sermon, he's laid out the standard for us. And now he's beginning his conclusion with a call to make a decision. What are you going to do with what I've done? Will you be a doer of my word or a hearer only? And in a couple weeks, whenever Marcus decides to preach it, I guess, in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Pause. Do you need to do in order to earn salvation? No. But those who are kingdom citizens, those who are saved by grace through faith, will do righteousness. It's who you are now. So what are you going to do with what I've done, Jesus is saying? There's no more important question. There's nothing more important for us to ask. And he tells us what to do. Enter the narrow gate. Walk the hard way. The gate is narrow. You have to leave some things behind. It's also narrow 
only one at a time can come through, kind of like a turnstile. And I've got this picture in my head, and it makes me think about how your faith has to be your faith. Your faith has to be your faith. It can't be your grandma's faith. It doesn't, that's not a good enough testimony. I need you to hear that. But because your, your grandma took you to church and she read you the Bible and she bought you a Bible is not a good enough testimony. It has to be your faith. It has to be your relationship. She's not there beside you when you walk through the turnstile, the narrow gate. And then there are few on the path. So it'll be lonely sometimes. When you're walking this path with few on it, it's going to be lonely sometimes. And you're going to have to leave some people behind that you can't be with sometimes. Now, we have a body here to support us, so we aren't totally alone. We, we have others around us, but, but we need to be in the world. Here's what I mean by that. We can't stay in here. We can't stay with our holy huddle forever. We can't stay in our safe house forever. We can't win the world to Christ by staying with each other. So we come here to get encouragement, be built up in love, learn more about God, be, be encouraged by his word, and then we go out again. And it might feel lonely sometimes when you're on this path. But church is not a safe house to be dwelled in. It's a training ground to be built up, to go out into the world and share the good news. Jesus paints us a picture of these two groups, the many and the few. The many are headed down to the wide gate on the easy way, and the few are entering the narrow gate on the hard way. The reality is, the sad thing is, most people want heaven without the cost. Most people want the easiest possible way out. Most people want to be able to do it transactionally and then continue to live the way they want to live until Jesus comes back and they could show them a sheet where they wrote on it that they were saved on this date. That's not a relationship. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not what Jesus is teaching. And the reality is, this is one reason why Christianity doesn't appeal to humanity. It's, it's too hard. It's too exclusive. You can't, you, you have to submit to his lordship because you can't have this kingdom without the king. Jesus will not be an accessory. There's only one way to the father. This is a hard way. And this is a costly way. And those who find it are few. Luke chapter 13, verse 22. Just while we're at it, this is another really hard text to read. Luke chapter 13, verse 22. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? That's a hard question. And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow Door, similar language there. Strive to enter through the narrow door. Almost as if he's saying, don't strive to know 
things that only my Father in heaven really knows. Don't strive to see the Lamb's book of life and who is in it and who is ultimately saved. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. And then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. And then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all, all you workers of evil. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves are cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. Those people who have walked through the narrow gate and walked on the narrow, hard way. I want to be clear about this. You don't save yourself by entering into the narrow gate and walking down the difficult path. You don't save yourself at all. When you walk through the narrow gate and you, and you take this difficult path, you announce that you are saved by walking that way. It's an announcement. It's a pronouncement. It, the, the only people who enter this way are the saved people. By, by walking this way, We proclaim what we are. Remember how Jesus started this sermon. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Spiritual poverty. Like, I have nothing to offer spiritually to you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom. Poverty. Spiritual poverty. Depending on nothing but divine accomplishment. That's how we enter the narrow gate. Jesus began his ministry with a clear call to action in Mark chapter 1, right in the beginning. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. John the Baptist was arrested, and Jesus came into Galilee, and he was proclaiming the gospel of God. And this is what he said in verse 15. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. So, repent and believe in the gospel. How do you enter the gate? Repentance and faith. Repent and believe in the gospel. The day of the Lord is at hand. The kingdom of God has come. Jesus has made it possible. Repent and believe in the gospel. John chapter 3 verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Isn't it interesting that he doesn't say whoever believes and obeys? Why does he not say whoever believes and obeys in the Son has eternal life? Is it because we don't need to obey? No. It's because when you truly believe, you will obey. And whoever does not obey, he goes on, shall not see life but the wrath of God remains on him. Why would someone ask to be saved unless he knew he was lost? Why would someone ask for forgiveness unless she knew she was guilty? 
we must present it clearly. We must present the gospel clearly. We must take care how we present sin and forgiveness and not make it this easy way. It, it's simple, but it's very hard. There's only one way. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. By nature, children of wrath, dead in trespasses and sins. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. And, but God sent his only son, Jesus, to bear the punishment for my sin he, he stood in my place as my substitute and the wrath of God was poured out on him so that all who trust in him as Savior and Lord would have the forgiveness of sins. We can do nothing to earn this free gift of eternal life. We receive it only by grace through faith. This is entering the narrow gate. Jesus makes it plain for us here. There's a narrow gate and a hard path that leads to life. There's a wide gate and an easy path that leads to destruction. So enter the narrow gate. It's almost as if Jesus is echoing Moses from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death. Blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. What will you do with what Jesus has said and done? It's not enough to just listen. It's not enough to be convicted. We must be committed and here's what we know this morning. You're either on the road to destruction or you're on the road to life. And Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way. And I am the door. And he also said that you have to enter the door. So the question is, will you enter by the narrow gate today. Will you answer yes with the prophet Isaiah? Yes, Lord. Walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. Yes, Lord. Walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. We have all of this stuff competing for our desires, but yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, even though the path is hard and even though the gate is narrow, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. Let it be our prayer and may it mark our lives.